Hello and welcome. I am Kim Keen, host of the One of a Kind You podcast. I started this podcast to share my journey of my past self, a woman who was struggling with leaving her teaching career and adjusting to stay-at-home mom life to help other women with their motherhood journeys or their work-life balance journeys so they can let go, make themselves a priority without all the sacrificing. So if you are a regular listener to One of a Kind You, thank you so much for taking the time to tune into another episode. If you are a new listener, welcome. I'm so excited that you decided to take a stop by to check it all out. And if you're not new to this podcast, you are well aware that Franklin and Winnie bark whenever they feel they need to. And if you're new here, you'll quickly learn that I have two dogs who bark a lot and I just try to go with the flow and keep it rolling. So um, yeah, so usually the way the podcast works is I just read a journal entry of mine from five or six years ago and I share what I know now as a certified life coach and what I wish I knew then. But today we have a special guest. Um, her name is Tara Messarelli. And as soon as I'm done talking, I'm going to mute and I'm going to let her take it away. But um, Tara and I connected on Instagram and she's a mother of 11 month old twin girls that are absolutely adorable. And she's raising them in Texas with her husband, Matthew. She's deeply passionate about living a healthy plant-based lifestyle running, ballet bar, and gentle parenting. She has been a vegetarian since she was nine years old and plant-based for over five years. She had a wonderful, healthy vegan pregnancy and natural birth in a birthing center. Tara loves sharing her daily meals for herself and her vegan babies on her Instagram page at Tara Messarelli. And just a little note, that will be in the show notes if you want to go over and join Tara on Instagram. But Tara is committed to encouraging and inspiring, inspiring others to eat more plants and enjoy moving their bodies while living a life that's true to themselves and free from outside noise. So Tara, I just have to know how at nine did you become a vegetarian? Because I cannot get my nine-year-old to eat vegetables to save my life. <laughs> So we grew up in the Midwest and um, our friends had a huge pig farm. And so we would always go over there. My brothers were best friends with them and we'd always go over there and you know what they're there for. They're there for food, not friends. And at nine years old, I always was, um, or growing up, I just had this connection with animals. I loved animals. I had cats growing up, like just compassion that animals are our friends. They're our pets. They're not food. And when you see that as a nine-year-old, it really makes you think this is where food comes from. And I just wanted nothing to do with it. And my parents are very encouraging um, as a vegetarian, as a nine-year-old. My mom did everything that she could to make sure that I was getting the proper nutrition. She bought cookbooks and, you know, at the time it was the new garden burger, I think was still the, or morning star was like the new yes. garden burger. Uh-huh. And she would always buy those for me. And yeah, I just, it was kind of just organically thrown at me where I wanted to have my friends be animals and I didn't want to eat them. And so as a nine-year-old, Growing up, I just kept with it. It was something that I just never looked back from. And then five years ago, I went plant-based where I really started putting the connection of what you're fueling your body with, not just being, you can be vegetarian, you can be vegan, but are you really getting the proper nutrition? Are you fueling your body for, you know, your daily lifestyle? And that's really kind of how everything just got put out there. And I had a vegan pregnancy, like you just said, and now raising my twins vegan and it just organically happened. Well, 
I think it's fascinating because my nine-year-old also has that thought of, you know, I can't eat an animal. She'll mm-hmm. eat chicken nuggets, but that's the only um, meat that she eats. She's so right. incredibly picky. So of course she has like the typical kid diet of buttered noodles with Parmesan yeah, of cheese. Course. Um, so she's not willing to eat animals to get a protein source, but she's also not willing to eat vegetables. So she always says, but I eat fruit and it's like, yeah, she can eat fruit, but you need more than just a right, noodle right. diet. So of course at the pediatrician, they just, you know, gave her the talk about the importance of continuing to be willing to try things. And she's funny, you know, she was like, I'll try a bite of salad. And she just barely touches her tongue to it. And she's like, oh, uh, like we I gave her poison kids. or something like you're dramatic, <laughs> you're dramatic. So I just think that's amazing that at nine, you were able to make that decision and stick right. with it and I really be committed. For me, it's like what nine-year-old really goes to a pig farm, you know? I mean, or what, what child? And I think that was for me as I w- witnessed it and I was there and I knew what they were for. And I don't, and I think I made that connection, but most children are not going to a pig farm. They're not going to go see a slaughterhouse. Like they don't, they don't even associate my chicken nuggets or the pig. And I think right. for me, I, I automatically had that connection and, and I knew. Yes. And so that's kind of where that journey started. And I don't think if I was in that situation or I don't think maybe as a nine-year-old, I would even think about it because you really wouldn't. Food is food. You don't yes. know unless you're taught where it comes from that I don't want to eat this. Yeah, right. For sure. And she knows she'll ask and, um, you know, we live, well, we just moved to Pennsylvania, but when we lived in Maryland, when we drove past cow farms, like, you know, so we see. Um, yeah, so she knows very much where food comes from, but she is right. stubborn as all get out and she is not willing to put that vegetable in her mouth. Isn't that crazy? But she yeah. eats fruit. So she eats fruit. So you, know, you just not- gotta go with it though. Give her what she my my mom did that too. Like there's always things that I just wasn't gonna have and she would yeah. get frustrated, but you know, give them what they want and you know, they'll, they'll get through it. <laughs> yes. And that's the thing, you know, when the pediatrician gives my girls the, well, my 12 year old is much better now about not being a picky eater. Um, but when they talk to my girls, you know, about trying new foods and I was so picky when I was little and it wasn't until I was in my twenties that I was actually willing to try broccoli or would put tomato right. on a sandwich or whatever. So yeah. I just feel like there's hope. Like, I'm not going to force them to eat what they don't want to eat because that just mm-hmm. makes food stressful. And I don't want them to develop an unhealthy relationship with food yeah, and all of those things. So I very much am the mom who will say, Lily, what do you want for dinner? You want this Casey? What do you want for dinner? You want that? And if I'm lucky, they'll align and they'll pick the yeah. same thing, but if not, pick your battles. <laughs> that's right. Picking your battles. Yeah, it was there's the same battles that you just don't, who cares? You know, we all go to school. We all, we all grow up and we eat, believe me. Yes. And that's my (laughs) thing. I'm like, when you're hungry, you're going to eat. And same (laughs) thing with their clothes. When they were little, I, Lily has always been, my older has always been very, um, feisty and she's always had this sense of fashion and she (laughs) was very picky at two about what she would and would not wear. And Um, so I just was like, okay, let's go to the store. You can pick your clothes. Like that's a battle I'm not fighting. And there was a lady, the cashier at the clothing store, it was an older woman. And she was like, you know, last time I checked the parents tell the kids what to wear. And I just looked at her and I was like, battles, (laughs) battles. And she was like, no idea. It's so much easier. If you just stop worrying about the little stuff, Yes. you know, worry about the big stuff. Are they happy? Are they healthy? 
Are yes. they connected with you? That's all that matters. You know, yes. so one like, purple sock, one blue sock, who cares? <laughs> right. And in the eighties and the nineties, that was the trend to yeah, wear mismatching socks. So why it's not cool. bring it back? <laughs> so, it's so cool. Yeah. So, so having a picky nine-year-old and then raising your babies vegan. So what does that look like? Of course. So they eat a lot of the stuff that I eat. I make a lot of smoothies and now they have them in their little toddler and they actually just turned one last week. So we're kind of getting to that little toddler stage. They yes. have smoothies in their toddler cup. I really don't give them a lot of options. If they don't like something, I kind of just keep giving it to them. And sometimes London is my pickier eater. Um, I'll just keep introducing it to her and Sunday eats whatever you give her. She'll just keep eating it. So I don't really worry about her, but for them, mostly chickpea pasta is really easy for kids. It has a lot of protein, a lot of fiber, and it's made just from chickpeas, but it tastes just like regular noodles. They love that. They eat that. Um, like I said, they love smoothies in the morning. They'll, if they see me drinking it, they want mine. So sometimes I just make a little extra in my cup and then just let them drink from there because it's cool, I guess. <laughs> they see, yes. If mom has it, they'll drink it. But if I put it in their cup, sometimes they won't. So yes, um, kind of like your nine-year-old, any type of fruit they will eat. Um, yeah, I mean, vegetables, they love tofu. Tofu really? is like their favorite. Yeah, tofu, I'm Brussels sprouts. <laughs> really, Brussels yeah. sprouts. Oh my they gosh. Steamed, any steamed veggie, they're like game for um it's funny I brought I bought these like Gerber cereal bars and they're like supposed to be for toddlers and I thought it would be like a fun afternoon snack for them and like London would literally pick it and just flop it on the ground <laughs> yeah like, you don't want it. not a homemade fresh smoothie I'm so, not having this <laughs> no she did yeah she wanted nothing to do with it so we're just kind of whatever we eat, I give them if it's safe, obviously, and cut the right way is soft enough. And I'm kind of just hoping it sticks. But you never know. I read that around 14 months or 16 months, they have their own opinion, and they're going to do what they want. <laughs> uh, yes, and I hate to say that <laughs> continues as they grow. Right, you know, <laughs> so continues. I'm going to have the nine year old who only wants fruits. <laughs> With mismatching clothes. With which two different socks. So yes. So oh my gosh, these dogs. So I'm gonna mute myself again. But sure. before I do that, I want you to um tell us a little bit about your experience going to a birthing center um mm -hmm. to have your twins. Right. So we had our twins at a birthing center um right here around the Fort Worth area. And I had two midwives, but at the birth we actually I think there was like four or five. Um, midwives there. And we had a, a, our twins, I would say around one in the morning, we brought them home, like literally home around seven in the morning. So not too long after we've got to bring them home. We yeah, had, incredible. it was just the most positive um, experience of my life. It was like a spa there. Everything from the moment you got there, there was candles and there was music and it was everything that you thought you wanted your birth to be it was very encouraging um and leading up to that like midwives for me they were just a godsend every question I had they were right there for me um and even with being twins they were very encouraging of having a birthing like a 
a birth at a birthing center because a lot of people wouldn't even go there. If you told them you had twins, it's automatically you're going to be in a hospital or you're going to have a C-section, you're going to have a scheduled birth. And I kind of just leaped into this knowing that this is what I wanted. And I kind of just let everyone else have their own opinions and I didn't even listen to them. You kind of just have to go with your own gut and, you know, the path that you want to take, you just have to go with it sometimes and not listen to anyone else and stop reading things online about twin births. And this is how it's going to be. You really just need to make that decision for yourself and, you know, stick with it. And that's really what helped me. Yeah. So did you get a lot of pushback from friends and family when they found out that you're going to have your birth at a birthing center? Mostly it would be from strangers. Um, with family, I've re- I don't really think I told too many people in my family. I, my mom knew and my mother-in-law was, um, she knew about it, but she's from England. So they're like birthing centers and midwifery is very popular still in Europe. So she was completely fine with it. My mom is very much, she just wanted them to be safe and me, you know, to be safe. So she was encouraging, but if she could have her pick, she would have them in a hospital. Yes. Which, you know, there's always a time and a place for a hospital birth and not every birth can be in a birthing center. And I know my body and I knew I was healthy and I knew like, this is something that I knew I knew I could do. Mm-hmm. But if I was at that place where, you know, you kind of had doubts that I don't think that would have been the right place for me. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of hospitals that have saved babies and have saved mothers. And, you know, there's always a place for that. But for me, I was like, I'm not sick. I'm just having babies, babies, <laughs> more than just one. Just two. <laughs> just two. <Not> one but two. <laughs> Yeah, and I just I don't know. I I was listening to a lot of um free birthing and natural birth and the stories just really motivated me and I felt excited about giving birth. But when I felt like when I would think about giving birth in a hospital, it just wasn't something that I was excited about. It wasn't something that I like could picture myself doing. And midwifery and um, a birthing center was just where I felt comfortable. I felt at ease. It was just something for me that felt right. Yeah. I think that's so um, important that you really listen to what felt right for you and not allow strangers, like leave it to the strangers to give their opinion when it's not yep. warranted or any of their business. Um, Everyone so, has an opinion. <laughs> yes. Don't they? So <laughs> did you find it at any point where like the, the thoughts and the feedback from the strangers were, it was creeping in? Or were you really pretty much able to say like, you're a stranger, you don't know me and I don't need to take your thoughts into my headspace? Yeah, so here's a funny story. So my husband and I, while I was pregnant, we would go walking every day. And where we go walking, we always see um, this guy, he was a doctor. And I remember one time we had a conversation and we told him we're having twins and he asked me where I was giving birth. And I told him, he was like, oh, it was, it was almost like he was like, good luck. And why, like, why, yeah. why would you do that? Uh-huh. And my husband and I, I, I don't know, we just kind of were like, this just felt right for us. It felt like we knew exactly what we were doing. We had no doubts, but everyone else was very doubtful. And I think it's because there's twins 
And when there's twins, you just never really hear a lot of positive birth experience from twins. It's usually a C-section. Twins usually come early. Um, but I will say this with Texas, there is a lot, I think it might be in other states too, that you have to carry, I believe, to 36 weeks. And usually with twins, you never even make it to 36 weeks. So that's usually never even an option for you to do um, a birthing center. So we are very lucky and very fortunate to be so able to do it. So you made it past 36 weeks then with your girls. Yes, we made it to 37 and a half. Wow, so that's amazing. We almost, yeah, we yeah. almost got there. Yeah. Was very exciting. They were still little, but they had, you know, no problems. And we just got to go home and my recovery was really quick. Um, you know, as soon as I got the clear, I was able to work out again. And then, you know, just the whole postpartum thing was fairly easy for me. Thank goodness. I know that's not always the case. And you feel a lot for women who have to go through a harder experience. But for me, it was, it was really easy. It was just a very, you know, encouraging and nice experience to be able to have the midwifery and the birthing center. And yeah, I, I don't know if I'd do it again with twins. It was, you know, it's, it's, yeah. for me, it was, it was, it was, I'm not going to say easy because pregnancy is not easy. Yeah. It was enjoyable for what it was. Yes. I don't think I would want to have twins again and go through the experience just because I'm a very anxious person. I always worry. And even though I try to stay positive and not listen to the outside noise, I'm still in my mind. You're still a mom. You're still, you know, when you're pregnant, you're yes. a mom, you're always worrying. And it's just something I don't want to go through again. <laughs> yes. But, you know, for others, it, it's, I would encourage them to look into a birthing center because the experience is just, it's something you loved, but I, I wouldn't want to go through it again as, with twins, but I would definitely yes. do it as a single time. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, both my girls were born in the hospital, which worked because, um, at once after they were born, there was complications at like with after the delivery. And so, right. um, so it was important that I was at the hospital and, but I do have a mom friend at school who did a home birth for her second. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not sure about the first one. And she, um, I shared some of the photos on social media from the home birth. And I was like, that's it. I need another baby. Cause I'm doing a home birth <laughs> and I'm having a photographer. Like, I felt like I missed out. I was like, wait, I need one more. And my house is like, we are not having any more. Two is enough. I was like, you're right. You're right. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> it's such a different experience, but you know what? You do meet people who like loved their nurses and love their doctors. And they did have such a great experience in the hospital. And I think there's just a place for everyone. Everyone can have the birth story that they want you know, there's always a place if, if that's what you choose is what yes. I'm saying. Yeah. Yes, you should always absolutely. have the, the option to choose. Yes. Yes, for sure. And I, when I lived, so my older daughter was born in New Hampshire and, um, New Hampshire, their state motto was live for your die. They're like a little bit more relaxed up there. Like you legally don't have to have car insurance in the save New Hampshire, which was oh, my wow. to me because, um, <laughs> in any other state I've ever lived in, you have to have it. Yeah. And so, um, I was doing a prenatal yoga class at the local yoga studio with, um, when I was pregnant with Lily and there was a mom there who was doing a natural birth. And I don't know if she ever decided if she was doing it in the, uh, like a birthing center at home or in a hospital. Um, but I was in such a different place then. So like holistic things were out of my realm of thought. Like I signed up for this mm -hmm. yoga class, not even knowing what I signed up for. <laughs> and, um, she was like, yeah, I'm never putting shoes on my kid. It's going to run around in a diaper barefoot all the time. And I was like, 
what is she talking about? <laughs> what is she talking about? And I was like, okay, it's a different, you know, a different perspective. And I was, yeah. I was like, my kid's always going to have like, so it's just interesting it's to so see. so different. Yes. Everyone's perspective on um, birthing experiences and things like that. And then I did a, a water aerobics prenatal class with Lily because she, both of my girls were so big and my really? hips were so bad with both of them. Yes. Yeah. So Lily was eight, six and Casey was nine, seven. Oh, oh no, wow. Lily was eight, seven. Casey was nine, six. So for Lily, I always measured big. So they were considering right. a C-section because they're like, she might be too big. And then on my due date with her, they're like, oh no, she's between six to eight pounds. We'll let you deliver her. I'm like, oh, okay, great. Thanks so much. Like, <laughs> I'm glad you don't think eight pounds is too big, but I do. <laughs> and then I had Casey and she was almost a whole pound bigger. Um, but the water aerobics was so amazing for my hips. Like I, my hips didn't hurt when I was in that pool, but the second I got out, man, the pressure was there again. I was like, this kid amazing? is killing me. Yes. But also the moms there was like, um, a different thought process. And, you know, they were talking about visualization during labor and meditation. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, I wasn't meditating at the time. So I was like, what in the world are these ladies talking about? I felt like such a fish out of water, ironically enough, floating in a pool. It's so different. And there's so much stuff that we just don't even know about, you know, unless you really research and, or surround yourself with people with different ideas, you just really don't even know what is out there at at my birth I spent most of the time in the shower like it just felt so good to be in the hot water and you never at a hospital was that even an option could you really spend like your whole time in the the shower they did in the birthing suite they did have a bathroom with the tub and so they I actually did start my labor in the tub but my labors were so fast and the nurse was not very sympathetic to my screaming so (laughs) (laughs) So with right. Lily, I started off in the tub and, and I did uh, like the breathe, like the, it's not called Lamaze anymore, but like we did the breathing class, um, before, you know, Lily was like, when I was pregnant with Lily to learn how to breathe through the pain and everything. And I'll tell you when labor came, I forgot all that. I was like, it like goes breathe. all out the window. Right? Yes. I'm like, breathe. What are you talking about? <laughs> breathe. I'm going to scream and don't you tell me otherwise. And so the nurse was like, like, you need to get out of the tub now because we need to talk about pain management. So with Lily, I had an epidural, but with Casey, I did not. So, um, so my labor with Lily, I was admitted in the hospital at two 17. I had Lily at nine 17. So like seven hours start to finish first baby eight, seven in and out, but very fast. We were in the hospital for a few days though, because Lily had jaundice. Um, then Casey, I actually was at work on Casey was like 12 hours early. So Lily was three days late. Um, but I was actually at work prepping for my substitute teacher because I was a kindergarten teacher at the time. And I was like, I think I'm having contraction. (laughs) So I left work at like three 15. They were so close driving like seven minutes apart. And then by the time I got home 40 minutes later, they were three minutes apart. And I waited like wow. another hour before I even called the doctor to be like, yeah, they're like two minutes. They're like, you should have been here by now. We Is it like take- five when you're supposed to kind of start like yeah. going, <laughs> but I was like, I'm fine. It's just, it's nothing. It's good. I'm right. fine. Right. We still had to take Lily to my mom's house, which was on the way to the hospital. And, um, I was admitted into the hospital, like five ish with Lily and case or sorry with Casey. And I was, Casey was born at six fifty seven, and she was oh nine. Six. I love um, it. so I wanted another epidural. Kind of jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted another epidural and the, um, anesthesiologist was there, but I couldn't, the contractions were so quick and so close. 
I couldn't sit still enough for them to do the epidural. And then the anesthesiologist got called for an emergency and left. So with Casey, I had no epidural. And if I would have a third baby, I would definitely go no epidural. It was so much easier. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we don't, at the birthing center, you don't even have that option. Right. For an epidural. So, I mean, you don't, you don't even get that option, but that that's interesting to know. My mom told me the same thing. Her first, she had the epidural and then with me, she didn't. And she said it was so much easier. Yes. Interesting. And I don't know if it's first baby versus second baby that makes it easier or just with the, um, with no epidural, you have, I'll say like a little bit more control. You can feel a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it was vastly different experience, different hospitals. So Casey was born in Delaware and, um, it's not as woo woo and granola as New Hampshire. So I don't right. even think there was a bathtub in the birthing suite in Delaware. I could be wrong right. though. Cause it all happens so fast. Right. Of course. So at this point it's like a blur in my mind, but <laughs> yeah. So, um, but even still not having, you know, kids in a birthing center, when people find out that you're pregnant, there's always someone with an opinion. And I know as moms, we always want to, you know, make everyone happy. We want to yeah. prove that we're doing the right thing and we're good parents and we're taking care of our babies and we're keeping them safe. And so I think it's really hard sometimes to turn out that noise of yeah. what other people think. And so the fact that you are able to keep the noise out, stay committed to your decision and trust yourself is so huge. And when you say, Oh, I'm a, a, I worry a lot would never know that you're a warrior. <laughs> if you're able to stay committed to all Thank of those you. choices, even without that, even with that outside noise. I was saying about this too, the other day, even raising vegan kids. Now, a lot of people have their opinions yes. and I feel more pressure as a mom raising them vegan as non-vegan, because if anything goes wrong, you know, if they're sick or if they're a little underweight, I mean, there's toddlers who are, you know, lean. My kids are, my kids are petite. They're just small. Um, they've been like that since, you know, birth, but I'm, I'm small. So, you know, it's just genetics. And I always feel pressure as a mom now raising them vegan to make sure that they're like on point or everything, you know, they're healthy or so no one can come back at me and throw, you know, the vegan card. Yeah. And it's, it's always on my mind. I'm always worrying about, you know, are they getting the, the right amount of food each day? Are they getting enough iron? Are they getting enough B12? So that's something that's still, I, you know, I, I probably always going to worry about it, but you know, the outside noise, you just gotta, you just gotta throw it away. <laughs> you can't listen to it. Yes, for sure. And, and I'll tell you, my kids are nine and 12 and I still have those worries sometimes, mm-hmm. um, you know, a, as a mom, like, oh, what do people think about what I'm doing now or this, that, or the other? So it never fades. It never goes mm-hmm. away because there's always a different stage of parenting that we're in for that yeah. noise to be there. So I'm right. um, just trusting yourself and, and, you know, your tip that you'll share, I'll let you do it, but what you say to yourself and, mm-hmm. um, I think is so important. So go ahead, take it away. Right. So I like to say, stay in the moment. I always like to repeat to myself, like, look around. What do you see? You know, where are you? What time is it? Just internalize all this right now. And that helps you just stay in the moment. Because if not, I feel like you kind of get lost in your day. Like, what are you actually doing at this moment that, you know, are you focusing on your kids? Or are you scrolling online? Or are you sitting here worrying about someone else's life instead of sitting here and just, you know, being with your children or doing something for your, yourself? It's always something 
you really just got to process the moment and internalize like where you are in the moment. Cause I think that helps you just block out the outside noise and really stay true to yourself and your intentions for you know, the day. Yes, absolutely. And, um, and there was, and stopping the scroll and I will never oh, forget I, uh, the scroll. <laughs> I put, I did an Instagram post a while back and said, you know, when you feel like, I forget what I said, if you feel like you're disconnected with yourself or you're overwhelmed, something along those lines. And one of the things I said on my carousel image was like, image number three was like, put your phone down and stop the scroll. And the, a mom comment really put your phone down yes really put your yeah, phone down you need to put it down put it down do you know how much stuff we can get done each day and I even say it to myself like put it down I get so much I don't even want to say the word but done each day if I don't have it if I don't have an app open or yes. you know scrolling on just useless stuff that has no point in my day that will not make my day productive you know I actually have a better day Yes. And I think the scroll, especially on social media, really sucks in and <laughs> you with that worry and the comparison oh, yeah. and the not enoughness and all right. of that, all of it's that. It's like scroll, and, compare, scroll, yes. compare. <laughs> yes. And, and in the comparison, it's like when you're scrolling and comparing, you're never going to add up. You're never going to measure up to everyone else. Forgetting no. that that's their highlight role. That right. is a, um, not scripted, but like that is a curated feed that they're sharing. Of course. Yeah. Mine is, I mean, we're a hot mess half the time. Uh, I show, you know, my nice meal, but half the time it's either on the floor or I'm eating standing up and someone else is eating over there and one didn't eat, you know? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Because that is real life. That is real real life. life. Just remembering like, this is the, this is real. This is this is yeah. not the curated people that are, you know, everyone has that moment where, and I can tell you, my kids are older and I still stand up eating sometimes. And there's still oh, times I, where I kids all the time. counter and <laughs> at the table, my husband's here and there. It, it's just yeah. life. It's just it's life. Just and life. so if you can just tap into that present moment and really connect with yourself and just yeah. trust that your journey is yours to have and other people's journeys are theirs to have, it doesn't make it right or wrong. It's what's good for right. you in this moment. I think that's the best way to tune it out and let that noise go. We just need to keep remembering that every day. Yes. Yes. Amen to that. So um, if there is a mom out there who wants to connect with you and chat on Instagram about vegan kid diet or vegan mom diet, um, are you open to chatting? Yeah, of course. I love sharing little tips and recipes and you know, there's always little tricks we can trade with each other. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So thank you Message so me, much. Send me. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. I always love talking to you. Yeah. It's likewise. And I <laughs> chat for hours and hours on end. Um, yes. So um, you're on Instagram. So we'll put your Instagram handle in the show notes. Are you okay if we put your email address in show notes yeah, too? Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Okay, send perfect. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you. It's always great for other moms to hear other moms journeys so that we know we're not the only ones going through this crazy journey of life. (laughs) 
Um, We're not the only crazy ones. No, everyone is. And so that, you know, there's comfort in that. So thank you so much for tuning into another episode of One of a Kind You. If you found this episode helpful, please feel free to share it with a friend because the more the merrier. And if you would be so kind to leave a review, that would be greatly appreciated as well. I take the time to read all the feedback from the reviews so that I can make sure that this podcast is exactly what you need so that it's a one-stop shop for support, resources, and getting through this journey of motherhood. And so we hope to see you again next week. And thanks so much for tuning in.